The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning. You found Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly, and my cohort partner isn't here today, Carrie Waddell. So I've got I've got Eric. Where is Carrie today? Is she is she out spending that stimulus check? Uh, while I'm here working. Well, no, uh, Carrie's actually got one of those college trip weekend trips, and we all, of course, remember those good old days picking up or dropping kids off at the college. I've made a few trips down I-71. But So why am I playing you know, back in the USSR? Well, again, President Joe Biden made a little news this week, and I'm calling this show A Killer Spring because it'll be airing on the first day of spring, March 20th of 21. And yet... The killer part is our, you know, I think this country is set for a killer spring, depending on how you take the term killer. But I think Joe Biden, you know, got us started. Goldberg called it the nicest way of doing the nastiest things. By and large, world leaders have followed this. Even while condemning their counterparts, there is a semblance of respect. But sometimes they drop the pretense. And when they do, there can be consequences. The already strained ties between the U.S. and Russia are on the verge of collapse because Joe Biden let loose in a recent interview. Listen carefully to this. The U.S. president called Vladimir Putin a killer, a man with no soul. This is his Russian counterpart Biden is talking about, the leader of America's longest-standing rival. You have to hear it to believe it. Vladimir Putin, you think he's a killer? Mm-hmm. I do. So what price must he pay? The price he's going to pay, well, you'll see shortly. Biden was wow. You know, and, and that rocked, you know, the, the, the headlines. And, you know, my question is, did George Stephanopoulos, did he come up with that question on his own, on the spot? Or was it more of a, you know, pre-planned thing, you know? But uh, so certainly, uh, you know, he got it, you know, Joe Biden got it started. I mean, calling Putin a killer, you know, we'll see where that goes. Um, so as I said, this is uh, Mark Donnelly, and you're listening to the estate planning team, and this is Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday mornings. It airs at 9 o'clock. You can also always catch the podcast, you know, and that's basically at our, you can find us at our, the name of our show, Financial Food for Thought, is also our website, the estate planning team's website, just financialfoodforthought.com, one string of letters, and you can, you know, link into our podcast and all these shows, you know, there's a backlog uh, going back. And we've been talking about March Madness and, of course, that's in full swing right now. But I'm not talking about the college basketball championships. I'm talking about, you know, tax compliance time. And, and this year, uh, following last year, you know, the second year of the Rona, and, boy, it, that's killer. I mean, we, you know, it, it, I, I'm sure that the, the, the if, if you're started to do your taxes or you're waiting to get a stimulus check or you're wondering where your stimulus check is or you're wondering when the due date is of the tax return, we're going to be talking about that today too. So, uh, so spring, right? Spring, uh, the spring equinox. You know, the you know, it's the day and night are roughly the same length. 
You know, when, when, when day and night, you know, is but roughly kind of like America's feeling about Donald Trump right now, right? I mean, it's like day and night, you know, whether you think he did a good job or was the worst president in history, right? But so we're all looking forward to spring in the second year of the Rona. You know, the vaccines are getting, you know, done and the, uh, and things are opening up. And of course, everybody is waiting for their next stimulus check, you know, and, and some people have already gotten it. Um, you know, some people got it automatic deposited. Um, we now, uh, know that physical checks, the first batch of those have been sent out in the mail. Um, or, you know, you could be getting it by the, you know, that debit card, you know, that EIP card, you know, the debit card. And there's really no rhyme or reason who gets what. I mean, there's some reason if you're getting it automatically deposited because you have to be set up to get, you know, automatic transfers from the IRS. But between getting a paper check and getting the debit card, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, it doesn't matter what, how, it, how you got the previous two rounds. It's not necessarily how you would get this third one. Um, and we've been, and if you, and we've been talking a lot about the stimulus checks, um, as well. You can go back in the podcast, but I'll talk a little bit about those today. Um, also, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, it's, it's not too late to lower your 2020 tax liability. Um, and at the same time, you know, maybe actually increase the refund. You know, in other words, if you deserve uh, the stimulus check that you never got, right? You, there's a way on, you know, the, the recovery rebate process by filing your 2020 tax return. And, you know, again, we've been talking about that on this, on the previous most recent shows. Um, and so, you know, if you're working with a tax professional or if you're doing it at home with one of the robots and you think that you deserve, um, this, I mean, and a lot of people, why, you know, <laughs> Why would you deserve it when maybe the government didn't think you deserve it? Well, it depends on how, you know, what, what happened on your 2019 tax return, which was used for the first two rounds of stimulus checks versus what's happening on your actual 2020 tax return. If you get it filed, you know, and, and processed by the IRS. So, you know, and there's a lot of planning around that, you know, whether you should be trying to get your 2020 return filed quicker so that, you know, the government realizes that based on your 2020 tax return, you deserve the stimulus checks where based on your 2019 return, you didn't. It's still available to you through this recovery rebate. Um, and the quicker you get that done, you actually, if that's processed, uh, the 2020 returns processed before IRS gets around to your name, you know, in, 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 in the pecking order about whether you get a stimulus check or not. If they already have your 2020 return processed and says, yeah, this taxpayer deserves it, you'll get the third stimulus check. Um, you know, is quicker. Um, you know, the $1,400. Um, so, so that, so let's see. Um, we also, we had, you know, matter of fact, uh, the IRS commissioner, Chuck Reddick, I mean, boy, he was getting killed. You know, he had to testify, uh, to Congress this week and, and they were drilling him about, you know, you know, what is going on with the IRS? No one's answering the phones. We hear there's a backlog of returns from 2019 that aren't even processed yet. Um, you know, where, where's, you know, how quickly are the stimulus checks going to get out? And poor Chuck, you know, I don't blame Chuck. Uh, I mean, you know, his staff was basically cut in half, um, you know, and they're dealing with and they had to deal with the shutdown last year. And, and, you know, so but, you know, he did his best to defend his, uh, you know, uh, workers and that they're, they're all working hard and and they're going to do the best. You know, they're they're trying to win the best now. Um, but also, you know, we've got on top of um just, you know, on everything else going on, you know, now we've got the new, uh, you know, uh, you know, ARPA 21 plan, the, you know, the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, the $1.9 trillion, um, you know, stimulus package. And, and that is a, you know, killing the complexity, you know, of our already complex internal revenue code. Um, you know, now some of the things were clarified, you know, in, in other words, we, I talked last week on this show, you know, about the unemployment and whether or not, you know, now under this latest act, um, the first $10,200, 
of your unemployment income, if you're under a $150,000 threshold, is not taxable income to you. And so the problem was if you had already filed your 2020 return and had withholding taxes on your unemployment and, and let that paid in, um, you know, the question was, hey, do you, we're normally under the law, you would now wouldn't have had to owe taxes on the first 12,200, um, then 10,000, you know, 20, then, then the idea is, um, all right, I'm gonna, you know, do I have to file an amended return to try to try to recoup that benefit? Okay. If, if I, you know, if, if I shouldn't have paid taxes on my first 10,200 of unemployment income, well, Chuck Reddick, clarified this week. They said, no, if you're in that circumstance, don't file the amended return right now. Not yet. They think they'll be able to handle that and handle the refunds internally. Um, so we'll see uh, what happens there. Um, what other? We got some economic data this week. Um, you know, the jobless claims, again, unexpectedly got worse again. Um, and this, and this is that ongoing, you know, pandemic, the Rona, you know, financial uh, risk, right? Um, you know, even though we're all getting vaccinated and we're feeling better about, you know, opening up and, and, and getting out of our houses, you know, with the spring, um, you know, the jobless claims are getting killed. You know, they were expecting around 700,000. They came in at 770,000, you know, up from last week, 725,000. Um, we also got the retail sales report for February. Okay. And this was disappointing. Um, you know, now they expected it to drop. You know, the, the uh, forecast was dropping about 0.5%. Actually, it was a 3% downward swing. Ouch. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and a lot of people are saying, well, what happened there? And it's it's maybe it's not that too hard to understand, um, you know, because January was was good. It was good. But the, remember, that's when people got the second round of stimulus checks. You know, that's six hundred dollars. OK, some a lot of people, some people got that in December. Most people got that in January. Right. Um, so, you know, that maybe, maybe that caused a little bit of consumer spending in January that upped the, you know, retail sales report. Um, also, we didn't have the best weather in February. Uh, you know, obviously I don't need to tell anyone living in Texas that, right? Um, so that combination of people were, you know, held up because of the storms and not going out spending money, and they didn't have, you know, they spent their stimulus check in January, so they didn't spend much in February. So that's why this third stimulus round, the $1,400, is just in time for your spring cleaning expenses, right? Um, and kind of go from that. Now, now in reality, um, you know, what... What are you going to do with the stimulus checks? So I want to talk a little bit about that, too. Before I do that, just just my last point about the March Madness and the tax plan. So you all heard now, I'm sure, by now, maybe not, but, you know, the idea that the IRS now has extended the, uh, you know, the your 2020 tax returns, April 15th filing deadline, that deadline, right, has been extended to Monday, May 17th of 2021, okay? Um, so just like last year, they extended the due date, but in that last year, they extended it from April 15th all the way to June 15th, okay? Right now, for 2021, it's extended from April 15th to May 17th, okay? Um, not quite as long as last year's extension, um, but a lot of that's going to, you know, and, 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 and because again, all these changes was killing the CPAs. So they were, you know, so they won their lobbying effort to Congress and to the IRS saying, we need to get, it's just too complex. We need to, we need an extension because the, 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 the taxpayer just doesn't know what to do. Right. Or just not enough time to get this done with all the changes. So, you know, so Chuck Reddick, you know, announcing now, the, but a couple things that I want to mention that, that I'm confused on. That's why it's killing me, right? Because, because in his press release where he announced that, you know, he, he, he did say though, the first quarter estimate is still due April 15th. Hmm. 
In other words, you, you know, normally your previous year's tax return is due April 15th. And then you may have to, uh, you know, for your current year, in other words, now for 2021, your make your first quarter estimate is due April 15th. Well, it's a little bit difficult to figure out your first quarter estimate if the previous year's tax return isn't complete. As a matter of fact, we went through this scenario last year. And, and when they originally announced the extension of the due date to June 15th, they, we, they didn't immediately announce whether the f- quarterly estimates were, were due, you know, you know, um, you know, it, 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 and, and, um, but eventually, um, it, it was, you know, eventually, um, they did say, okay, actually it was July 15th. It was extended to July. I might have been saying June 15th. I don't have Gary here to correct my, well, when I'm speaking off the cuff, but, you know, actually it was July. I believe it was, was it June or July? I have to go back and check, but, um, but in either case, we don't know yet whether right now, according to Chuck Reddick's press release, first quarter estimates are still due April 15th. The other question, which was not addressed, which I think may even be a bigger issue for some folks, is the idea that we don't know whether the, the extension this year to May 17th also extends the time if you want to still fund a, an IRA for 2020 or a Roth IRA or a health savings account. So normally you have up until, you know, tax filing deadline, you know, normally April 15th to also fund any of those other plans. Um, now last year, again, those were also extended, but we, you know, we haven't, re- I, I, you know, as, as of the taping of this show, which is, you know, Friday morning, I have not, cl- I've not heard clarification on that. Um, so, you know, we'll keep our eyes and ears open. Um, the other thing too, a lot of people are saying, well, are all the states going to follow also the extended due date? Um, I believe they will. Um, when I last checked the Ohio Department of Taxation, they don't have anything on their website yet saying that they're going to follow the extended due date, you know, to May 17th, but I'm assuming they will. Um, so again, you know, and you know, if, if anybody else knows, you know, let me know because, uh, I, I keep, I checked the website, Ohio's Department of Taxation website this morning and I did, it didn't jump out on me. Um, and, but I do think eventually, cause I think it's just gonna be too confusing if they don't do that. Um, um, so, all right. Now with the, um, Again, with the stimulus checks, um, you know, there, there's uh, a lot of people who are, you know, are saying, well, are, are they a good thing or a bad thing um, for the country? Um, and I don't know, you know, you know the $1.9 trillion, um, tax package, of course, which part of that is the stimulus check, the 1400 You know, is that going to overheat the economy? Um, is it going to eventually lead to, you know, big inflation? And by the way, is the 1.9 too big that it's just going to be a huge debt problem for the, you know, for the future generations? Um, well, you know, so... You, there's, you know, you have different opinions about that. Um, you know, you've got the Federal Reserve, you've got, you know, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. You saw you got Jerome Powell, you know, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. Of course, the Democrats are all saying, no, you know, it, it, too big is better than too little, you know, at this point. And, you know, in the Federal Reserve saying, no, you know, we're not worried about um, hyperinflation or super, or, or, you know, runaway inflation right now. And Janet Yellen saying, no, you know, we've got this under control. And the idea is that money is going to, you, you know, really bring back, uh, you know, get us quicker out of this Rona recession. Um, and, and so we'll see. But, you know, you know, who it's killing. I mean, the stimulus check is, is literally killing Americans. You know, in other words, I, who knew that if the government was just going to give a bunch of free money, what problems it was going to cause? Um, so have you seen some of these headlines? Um, my husband told me my 
my $1,400 stimulus check will be spent on aluminum siding on our home. What can I do? Hmm. So she goes on to say, I'm one of the very few women in this country dreading the most recent stimulus check. As soon as I heard the stimulus bill passed, I got a sick sense of dread in my stomach. Why? Because my husband controls all the money in our marriage and he's extremely stubborn. You know, she goes on to say, I pay my personal bills and buy 95% of the groceries, which is always a stretch for me. On the other hand, he has $20,000 in savings account, which, believe me, is seen as his, not mine. He gets bonuses from work almost annually, but I never get a large sum of money for myself to just do whatever I want with. Um, When we received our stimulus check, we got a huge fight because he wanted to give me $400. And trust me, he thought he was being generous. But this was right after Christmas, and I had been sick and off work for over a week. I don't have sick pay or pay. You know, it goes on and on and on. I, I have to cut it off there right now because uh, I could spend a month of shows on this article, um, what this woman's saying. But um, I'll wait to Carrie to get back to, to kind of pick that up. But so, you know, it, it's causing rifts, right? Here's another headline. I gave my ex-husband half of the first two stimulus payments for our child. He calls me a monster. What do I do with the third? Okay, and, and, and this, you know, divorcee's question is, how much of the child's stimulus money should I give my ex-husband, the father of my one child? Our tax agreement is to trade off years, but he isn't eligible because of additional stipulations in our papers. So I have claimed her on my taxes for the last two years. You know, um, I have her five to six nights a week, and he has her for one or two nights per week. Um, the logical answer is to reach an agreement with him. I know that. But he frequently texts me messages saying he hates me. And if I disagree with him, something he calls me a monster or something even worse. Kind of sounds like our U.S. Senate debates, doesn't it? Um, you know, not exactly a lot of bipartisan going on in this family. Um, so again, you know, uh, the government's trying to help everyone and, you know, this is what we got. How about this one? Four killed in argument over the $1,400 stimulus checks. <sighs> this happened in Indianapolis. A man suspected of fatally shooting a family of four at a home in Indianapolis on, you know, last Saturday night reportedly flew into a rage when his former partner refused to split the recent $1,400 stimulus check with him. Um, I mean, this is what we don't want, right? And, and this is why some people think that uh, UBI or universal basic income, um, which is kind of, is that what this democratic progressive agenda is trying to do? You know, who knew that it could cause rifts like this? I don't know if the robots knew that was going to happen. I mean, maybe you ought to ask, you know, you know, Andrew Yang, you know, you know, he's busy running for the New York City mayor race, right? Uh, remember, he got everybody thinking about UBI when he was running for president. Um, and then, you know, and so we have these situations um, now. So, you know, to me, you know, look, you can't be, you know, it's a good thing, the stimulus checks. Um, hopefully they'll be used for the right purposes. Um, you know, and the idea is, though, it's not worth killing each other over. Right. So what are you going to do if you're expecting the stimulus check um, or what shouldn't you do? Well, this is, again, do you ask your neighbors what they, you know, and just follow what they're going to do? I don't know. I mean, maybe, you know, the, uh, do you just uh, bank it? Do you blow it? Do you uh, give it away? Well, let's see what your neighbors are doing. Okay, so according to a recent study, How do Americans plan to spend their stimulus checks? Well, 48.4% say they're going to spend it on monthly expenses, food, rent, mortgage, utilities. And that's basically what the government is, you know, that's the lower to middle class, you know, that's the idea. Getting them money so they can pay their basic expenses, their rent, their food bills. Um, Okay, Um, now, 
39.5% plan to pay down debt. Okay. Um, credit cards, student loans, car loans, medical debt, you know, things like that. Okay, another 24.2% um, plan to save it, you know, long-term savings. Um, okay, um, could be if you're retired, it could be, you know, retirement, you know, or, or savings. If you've got, you know, it could be college, you know, planning savings if, you, if you're raising children. Okay, 10.2% uh, are say it's just going to go to discretionary purchases. Okay, that may be, you know, you may say, hey, and that's where some of the, you know, now we're getting into the upper middle class. You know, remember the cutoff for this third round is, you know, married finally jointly. Um, no one gets anything after $160,000 of income. So a lot of people say, well, why is anyone, you know, even at $150,000, they're telling me a, a couple's getting, you know, $1,400 each, you know, if they're making $150,000, if they got kids, the kids are getting $1,400 each. I mean, is that really the new middle America that we can't survive on $150,000 of income raising a family? Well, um, but the idea, this is where the discretionary spending, because the idea is, you know, you can look at it and say, well, if if those folks in that category do go out and spend it, maybe they're going to spend it at the small businesses, the local small businesses that have been hurt badly with the pandemic shutdown. You know, or maybe they're, you know, they're going to give it away to charity. Maybe they say, you know, I'd rather give it to my charity than maybe letting the government what they are going to do with it. Um, and so, you know, so that's a little bit of idea. Now, again, um, you know, should you, some people think that it's going to go right, you know, that a lot of this stimulus money is going to go right into the stock market. Hmm. Is that what you were planning on doing? You know, in other words, are, were you planning on taking your whole stimulus check and buying GameStop stock? You know, just because you think that everyone else in America is going to do the same thing, but you'll beat them to it, so to speak. I don't know if you want to do that, right? Um, so, you know, do do you, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and and that's where a lot of the planning comes involved. Um, in, in other words, maybe before you invest in long term, you make sure that you've got your cash reserve set up. Okay. That, you know, because if we do have another economic downturn, you know, the first defense against a, a stock market crash or our double dip recession or what have you is having enough cash reserve. Um, you, you know, we, we can never become too complacent. In, in other words, everybody's thinking that this, um, vaccines will work and we don't have to have a, we're a resurgence of the Rona or some variant of it, you know, or look what's happening in Europe right now. Um, you know, you, you know, I, Paris is shutting down again. Um, so, you know, so the idea is, you know, if you don't have a cash reserve, you know, maybe, um, that's something that this, you know, that you're, if you're getting the third round stimulus check can help with. Um, so, you know, these are things that, you know, we try to help our clients with. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. My name is Mark Donnelly. Um, you know, Carrie Waddell normally here with me. She's uh, off this weekend. Um, now, um, to get a hold of us, if you would like a free consultation, and right now we're scheduling those either in office, you know, face-to-face -face, or over the phone, you know, it's your choice. You can call our home office. The number is 440 Two three nine two zero nine zero. That's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety. Or you can visit us at financialfoodforthought.com. You can sign up for appointments there. You can get there's lots of calculators there. You can also uh, link to our podcast there. Um, and and again, uh, if you're looking for a free, no obligation consultation, you know the estate planning team is a fiduciary planning firm. That's so we've been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years, and certainly over those decades, um, we we've seen you know probably just about every planning issue uh that you can imagine and a lot of times you know the 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 what's a new problem or issue to you um isn't necessarily you know new to the generations who had that problem before you and that's where our decades of experience can help 
in that situation. So a lot of times we talk about, you know, it's not only, you know, it's, it's the idea that a lot of times we, we talk to new clients and they say, gee, Mark, I didn't even know what I didn't know, you know, or, you know, I, I didn't even know what questions I should be asking my other advisors, whether it be the attorney or the investment advisor or the tax preparer. Okay. Um, you know, because, you know, and, and that's where we can help. That's why team is in the name of our company, the estate planning team, um, because we believe in coordination of advisors. And, you know, we believe that the client gets a better plan, whether you call it a retirement plan, pre-retirement plan, or, you know, we used to call it a, uh, an estate plan. Um, but the idea is we believe the client gets a better plan if there is active coordination between their professional advisors. Um, and you know, that's, and that part of that is that you get that brainstorming, you know, thinking going on, you know, if, if you as the client says, well, I've got this issue, I really don't know what to do. Well, now, you know, you're not working in a vacuum. You're, you're getting input from all your different advisors and that's going to, you know, draw out probably, uh, you know, the, the best conclusion. When you have some consensus about, okay, this is probably what you want to do as opposed to going down the other path. Um, now, one of the reasons why I'm saying that, you know, it's a killer spring or the March madness is because of all the changes, right, that were done last year as a result of the Rona havoc, right? Um, so one of them is the, you know, the 2020 RMDs, which were suspended. Okay. And, you know, that is, uh, so that may come back to be an issue when you're filing now your 2020 tax return, which is, again, you know, I'm one of the reasons perhaps why the government extended the due date from, you know, April 15th to May 17th to give, you know, to give the taxpayer a little bit more time not that we haven't had any uh, mailing delays this year, have we? I mean, maybe that was part of the decision delay, uh, to postpone the uh, extend the return a bit. Have you gotten all your 1099 hours? Have you gotten all your corrected 1099 hours? Have you gotten you know the, the those forms from the government that says you got the stimulus checks? You know that's the the one four 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 and the one four four B. Um, 1444B, you know, for the second round, um, all these things, right? The unemployment form, you know, um, that said, you know, so all these things are being mailed and, and, you know, we're, we're talking to clients who they haven't got them all yet. Um, but anyways, back to the RMDs being suspended. So if you recall last year, a lot of people had already taken their RMD prior to the government suspending them. And so they, the government gave those taxpayers a relief by loosening up the 60-day rollover rule, right? Okay, so people who took out RMDs in 2020 had until the latter of August 31st of 2020 or 60 days after the payout to put the money back into the account and treat the distribution as a subsequent redeposit as a tax-free rollover. That's typically called what we, we all know is or call the 60-day rollover, right? Um, now, the issue is, you know, even though you put the money back in, you are going to get a 1099-R from your IRA custodian that showed what the original payout was, okay? You will still get that, and they're going to still send one to the government, all right? Um and there's nothing on that 1099R that says you rolled it back in, making it a non-taxable event, basically. Okay, but don't worry. I mean, the, the, the 1099R isn't wrong. Okay, it's just that you've got to coordinate that with your tax preparer, or if you're doing it yourself with your, you know, software, or if you're, you know, however you're doing it. All right. Um. You know, so the um, now, so when you're filing your tax return, you know, yeah, you're going to include the total amount of IRA distributions shown on the 1099 Rs. You know, but then, you know, but then you subtract out 
the amount that you properly and timely return to the IRA. And then you just report if there's any remainder as, you know, taxable. Remember, the form, it's got two, it's got, you know, line 4A and it's got line 4B. So line 4A is like the gross IRA distributions and line 4B is the actual taxable amount of the distributions, right? So, you know, that's where you have to reconcile this. Um, and, you know, what the IRS, you know, suggests that you do is that, you know, when you're, in, in other words, on line 4B or in the, in the, the, the software will probably have a spot for the, uh, software, you know, the inputter to, you know, put in that you did a rollover. A similar one you may be familiar if you're doing qualified charitable distributions. It's a similar process. You know, the software puts in the margin a QCD, you know, indicating that that's why the taxable amount isn't matching the gross amount. All right. Because, you know, it's the same thing. A QCD is also non-taxable, qualified charitable distribution. So it's the same thing. You've got to show that rollover. Now, the other problem, which is going to, you know, cause, you know, people to pull their hair out is if originally they had withholding taxes on the IRA distribution that they rolled back. Okay, so let's say in a simple example, you know, let's say you had a um, $10,000, you know, IRA distribution and you had $1,000 of federal withholding. So actually, you know, originally you got 9000 and 1000 went to the government. But then you decided to roll it back in. You didn't want any of it out now that you found out that it, you didn't have to take any out. So you put 10000 back in out of your own money back in. The government owes you that other 1000 So, you know, you want to get that back. So that's, that, that's a reconciling item that also, you know, you know has to be done. Now, the 60-day the rollover, and, and, you know, it's, been, it's, it's always been an issue. Now, not only even last year was even, you know, with the, the Rona, you know, and the suspension of the RMDs caused a, a one-time bubble issue. Um, but, but this is an ongoing issue. You know, there's a lot of confusion about the 60-day rollovers. You know, normally, you know, you, you have the 60-day rollover, but you gotta, believe me, the rules are tricky. And a lot of taxpayers have, you know, messed that up, meaning that they, they missed the 60-day. Because that's a hard threshold. It's not 61 days. It's 60 days, right? Um, and it got to be such a big problem that the, you know, back in 2016, the, the IRS actually, you know, issued a revenue procedure, you know, uh, you know 2016-47, which was the self-certification of late rollovers. So basically what it was, was it, there were so many people that were f- having this problem with these 60-day rollovers that the IRS said, okay, we can't deal with them all. And everyone's asking for, you know, penalty relief and, and abatement and, and all like that. So they, they kind of said, okay, we're going to get a standard, you know, you can, you can kind of control this yourself. Um, and, you know, there's 11 exceptions where, you know, if you qualify, you can kind of just tell the IRS it's a slap of a wrist. I meet one of the 11 and don't charge me the penalty. So what are they? Well, one is if an error was committed by the financial institution receiving the rollover contribution or making the distribution. Okay. Two, the distribution having been made in the form of a check was misplaced, lost, or never cashed. Okay. Third exception, the distribution was deposited into and remained in an account that the taxpayer mistakenly thought was an eligible retirement plan. Honest mistake. Uh, Number four, the taxpayer's principal residence was severely damaged. Okay, that's kind of a little hazard thing. Number five, a member of the taxpayer's family died. It's always a wait. That's always one uh, uh, that's used. You know, I, I, you know, grieving and missing uh, details. Number six, the taxpayer or a member of the taxpayer's family was seriously ill. That, that certainly could happen in, in COVID. Um, number seven, the taxpayer was incarcerated. Okay. Number eight, restrictions were imposed by a foreign country. Probably somewhat unusual for most of our listeners. Number nine, a postal error occurred. That hasn't happened at all at all in the last you know twelve months, right? Uh, number ten, the distribution was made as a levy to collect prior taxes owed, but the proceeds of the levy have been returned to the taxpayer. That's getting too weedy, you know, for most people. Or number eleven, the party making the distribution to which the rollover relates 
uh, delayed providing information that the receiving plan or IRA required to complete the rollover despite the taxpayer's reasonable efforts to obtain the information. Just the idea that it, they're blaming, you know, the, it's not the taxpayer's fault, it's the uh, custodians of the IRA's fault. You know, something was sitting around in an inbox for too long. All right. Um, so, so there is relief. Now, um, also, though, you know, there's also, if, you're, if, if this is a big, you know, miss um, and it's substantial dollars, um, you know, other taxpayers actually try to get a public letter ruling. From the IRS, seeing if you know to to try to see if they can get out of the you know uh, if they botched an IRA rollover that they don't have the penalty, um, but that costs money, okay? Um, and you know, and the IRS has come out and said that you know what, there's so many of that, we got to up the price on that. Talk about inflation, right? Um, so normally the IRS would charge like ten thousand nine hundred dollars, yes, for one claim, ten thousand nine hundred dollars. For getting a PLR to, to dealing with this issue, they're raising that to twelve thousand six hundred. Hmm. So um, you know, again, so that's just a good you know idea. That's a so I'm bringing that up because we help with that situation. You know, if we have a client who you know we try to watch, you know, if they're doing a, a certainly a rollover or ways to not even get involved in a rollover. That's what we always talk about, custodian, custodian transfers, as opposed to taking money out of an IRA, getting a check to you, and then you want to roll it in to another IRA custodian within 60 days. That leads to problems and, 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 you know, complexity. And, and we, so, you know, the, the idea of coordination of advisors is the idea that we try to head off those before they become problems, before you have to, you know, file for abatement of penalty. Or try to figure out if one of these 11 exceptions meet. You know, the idea is let's stay away from those, you know, those situations that throw us in, the, in a higher exposure to making a mistake. And that's a good example of how, you know, being very active in your planning and coordinating and advisors can make your life easier. All right. So you're listening to Mark Donnelly, and this is Financial Food for Thought. Um, Carrie is out spending her stimulus check, I think. Uh, actually, she should be back next week unless she goes on spring break with her college daughter. I'm not sure about that. Um, but another – and I'll spend more time over this next week too. So because if if you start putting these things together, and a lot of times they say planting, that's what we do. We try to dovetail. We try to kill two birds with one stone. We try to say, how can we, one strategy, help a couple of different issues that we're dealing with? So right now, you know, we have this opportunity that if you can still fund a tax-deductible IRA or a health savings account, or even if, you know, you wanted to fund a Roth IRA, to move money from, you know, into a tax-free wrapper if you think that income tax rates may be going up in this country in the future. Um, and the idea that, you know, but back to the tax-deductible ones is that if you, by doing a tax-deductible IRA, can get below a threshold that you get the stimulus check, should you do that? Is that, you know, is that right or wrong? And, and, and so that's some of the concept because, you know, is, is by lowering your tax liability and also, um, maybe increasing your tax refund and also building up, uh, your, a better retirement plan, is that all bad? And, you know, I, we don't think so. Um, and it doesn't happen automatically, but it, it, you know, and, and is free money from the government bad? I, I mean, some people think it is bad and maybe those people will return their stimulus checks if they think it's so bad. Other people say, well, no, I'd rather get the money and do what I want to do with it. And if I don't, if I don't need it, I could give it to my charity. I could give it to my kids who need it, my grandkids who need it or, or what have you. Um, or I could use it myself to help support a local small business that got, you know, slammed in the pandemic shutdown. So, um, you know, but at least are you thinking, I mean, is anyone getting to the point where you know whether you could use these strategies? That's what we help with coordination. Um, and, you know, so again, remember, and, and 
you know, for those IRA contributions, that's what we're waiting on. That's why I'll wait and see if we get clarification from the IRS. If also the extension or, you know, the, the date to file for 2020's IRA contributions or Roth contributions or HSA contributions of that as, as that also going to be extended this year till May 17th. Um, but if, but right now I can't say that. So April 15th is still the date. Um, now remember too, you know, the secure act of 2019, there's no, no, no longer an age limitation on, you know, as long as you have earned income and you meet the other income thresholds, you can still file a tax deductible IRA, um, and HSAs. You could say, well, Mark, I thought the HSA had to be funded through my payroll deductions. Well, yes, it can be funded that way, but not only. You you know, that that ended in December, right? Um, in your last paycheck last year. But you still can send them a check. You know, just talk to your HSA custodian and say, Well, Mark, I've never talked to my HSA custodian. I don't even know who that is. That's where we help. Okay. Um now let's see what else. Um got a few minutes left here. Well, happy spring, everyone. I tell you who was killing it was Chairman Powell this week, Fed chair. Um, Because, you know, he kind of calmed markets, calmed them greatly. It was actually on St. Patrick's Day, right? And because, you know, he came out and and he kind of said, you know, no, you know, we're we're, um, everything's okay. Okay, um, you know, Fed Chairman Powell managed to keep the volatile bond market calm and the stock market rallying during what could have been a very turbulent afternoon of trading. Okay, um, the central bank boosted its economic forecast. I say, I'll say, <laughs> you know, they were in the beginning or the or prior to that, they were saying maybe, you know, America's, you know, 2021 GDP may be 4%, which is a lot better than the two that we've been, you know, suffering. Um, but they actually extended that, and now they said it's about 6.5%. Wow. See, that's the power of acting big. Okay. Um, and if GDP can go up and productivity can go up, you know, that is also going to help this, this uh, fear of, of rampant inflation. Okay. Um, You know, the central bank boosted its economic forecast, but indicated it does not expect rate hikes at least through 2023, even with the improving outlook and some higher inflation this year. So, yes, they they acknowledge you're going to see some inflation this year. A lot of my listeners or customer clients have already said, what do you mean if we already see that? But it doesn't mean it's going to be permanent or hyperinflation, right? Um, and, you know, basically the Fed is not blinking right now, you know, um, and, that, and, and the market reacted positively. You know, the market, you know, went up after, you know, the Fed chair's speech. Um, but then Wall Street the next day didn't believe Powell anymore. <laughs> okay. And you saw the market go down, which leads to the fact that what is going on with the market volatility well you know and i've talked about it in the show you know don't necessarily think that the 60 40 investment allocation portfolio is dead um you know i'm not sure it's dead quite yet all right um you know the 60 40 Allocation has been a very popular, uh, a very historically uh, good allocation. I mean, if if and now everybody may calculate the sixty forty their own way. How Mark Donnelly? How I'm doing it? I'm using the S and P five hundred for the sixty percent, and let's say the Barclays U.S. Aggregate Bond Index for the forty percent. Okay. And I'm using the straight S&P 500. You know, a lot of investment advisors throw in the dividend reinvestment. I, I'm more conservative than that. That inflates the return. I'm just using the, the S&P 500 index that you're quoted every day in the papers or you're on your iPhone. All right. Um, so if I look at that, you know, over a recent three-year rolling average, the 60-40 has done about 9.91%. Hmm. By the way, what are you running your financial plan right now in terms of a rate of return? Four, maybe five? 
dare I say six? Okay, well, you know, the 60-40 over recent three years, 9.91. How about over five years, you know, ending in year 2020? Well, about 992%.9.92, about the same as the three-year. How about 10-year rolling average, 60-40? About 8.84%. Well, Mark, how about, well, let's get let's get the last recession in there. How about a 15-year rolling average, you know, from 206 to 220? Now that includes the Great Recession. I'm sure that, you know, 60-40 is now down below what I'm using, the 5%. Actually, it's about 7.26%. Um, now, there's been a lot of, you know, stories that 60-40 is dead. It's been killed. I'm not so sure yet. Um, you know, but again, you know, now, but will, I'm not saying that doesn't mean we're going to see a lot of volatility. I guess that's my point. In other words, it's, it's, I don't know for any different right now than in prior major recessions. In other words, the idea that once the recession is over, it, it doesn't mean that the stock market volatility is over. But it also doesn't mean that the returns are going to be bad. For example, if you go back to 2008 Great Recession, okay, so, you know, one way we, I measure Mark, how Mark Donnelly measures volatility is by looking at how many days, again, using the SP 500, that we had more than a 2% movement in any direction in any one day. That to me, you know, that's what, you know, causes people eyebrows or a parabolic move, which is a 4% movement in one day. That's when people start jumping off bridges. All right. Um, now, for example, in 2008, we had 74 trading days that, tra- that had a 2% movement, and 29 of those were parabolic, right? Now, um, but now, there was a big loss in the 2008. You know, the S&P was down 38% or whatever. But now, 2009, the volatility remained. There were 59 days of where we had a 2% you know, movement. But at the end of the year, the S&P was up 23%. Okay. Now let's go to the 2020 recession, the Rona recession, right? Um, you know, there were 44 trading days last year where the S&P had a 2% movement, 17 parabolic, right? That was pretty volatile. But at the end of the year, the market was up 16%. So far, year to date, we've had about three 2% movements. The market, you know, this is about 4%. So, you know, so how do you explain that? Well, one of the things is that when we talk about, you know, volatility, in other words, we got to look at corporate earnings. In other words, that's what we want to keep our eye on this year. Regardless of the volatility, keep an eye on corporate earnings because if corporate earnings hold in there, the economy starts opening up again, that will keep people's Wall Street expectations up and running fine. So we're going to start playing the earnings game starting in April, and you'll want to catch those shows. All right. Have a good weekend, everybody. Tune in next week for more financial food for thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.